0: And welcome to tonight's Zoomcast on
1: Revelation, the Apocalypse of John, chapter 12, part 1. And in actuality, the last verse of Revelation 11 should have been the start of Revelation chapter 12. So we'll start in Revelation 11, verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. So, the first part of verse 19, the temple of God
0: was opened in heaven. Let's go to First Nephi chapter 14. And it shall come to pass that
1: if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day. Well, in that day is the day in which, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, the temple of God was opened in heaven, or in other words, the heavens were opened in the last days for the last time, meaning that the fullness of the gospel was again restored to the earth for the last time. 1 Nephi 14.1, And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, in the day in which the temple of God was opened in heaven, or in which the heavens were opened, that he shall manifest himself unto them in
0: word and also in power Let's cross-reference DNC 45 Verse 28, "And when the times of the Gentiles is come in,
1: a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. This is, the temple of God was opened in heaven."
0: And there was seen in his temple the Ark of his Testament. Or, in other words, Indian C.
1: 85, And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness. Whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bow shall be a fountain of truth. To set in order the house of God and to arrange by lot the inheritance of the saints. Now, if we go back to 1 Nephi chapter 14. And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, That he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed, unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks. The stumbling blocks are in place because, as it says in DNC 85, the house of God needed to be set back in order. And the disorder is the reason for the stumbling blocks. Of the Gentiles in the last days.
0: Verse 2 in chapter 14. And harden not their hearts against me, the Lamb of God. Then
1: they shall be numbered among the seed of thy father, and they shall be numbered among the house of Israel, and they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever and they shall be no more brought down into captivity and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. Well, the question is, what was it or what is being prophesied of here that would allow the Gentiles to join the ranks of the house of Israel? And why hadn't they been able to do so before the day of the Lord or the day in which he would manifest himself unto them in word and also in power. Well, find out the answer to these questions and why in verse 28 of DNC 45. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. Well, who are they who sit in darkness? It's the Latter-day Saints. Well, why do the Latter-day Saints sit in darkness? And why, if the fullness of the gospel was restored through Joseph Smith, does a light need to break forth among the Latter-day Saints who sit in darkness, the fullness of my gospel? DNC
0: 101. Verse 43, and now I will show
1: unto you a parable that you may know my will concerning the redemption of Zion. Now there are three elements implicit in this title. The redemption of Zion. One, Zion would have to be established under leadership of Joseph Smith. Number two, you cannot redeem something that hasn't fallen or been ransomed. So Zion was going to have to fall after it was established under the hand of Joseph. And number three, that Zion before the second coming of Jesus Christ would be redeemed, or it would be restored. Verse 44, a certain nobleman had a spot of land very choice, and he said unto his servants, Go Ye unto my vineyard, even upon this very choice piece of land, and plant twelve olive trees. Well, the nobleman in this parable is the Lord. Very choice piece of land, North America, as
0: um, Moroni outlines in Ether chapter 2. My vineyard is the restoration of the gospel for the first time in
1: the last days under the hand of Joseph. Plant 12 olive trees, 12 olive trees representing the house of Israel and the beginning of the gathering of Israel, and that the Gentiles would have the opportunity to become Israel, just like we read back in 1 Nephi chapter 14.
0: Talking about, in verse 1, the Gentiles, the taking away of their stumbling block,
1: the Lord manifesting him unto them in power and word, that they may be numbered among the house of Israel. So initially, under Joseph Smith's first ministry, the Gentiles were able to be adopted into the house of Israel. However, that process was cut short, and so it was going
0: to have to be restored again. Continuing in DNC 101, verse
1: 45 and set watchmen round about them, and build a tower that one may overlook the land round about to be a watchman upon the tower, that mine olive trees. May not be broken down when the enemy shall come to spoil and take upon them the fruit of my vineyard. All right. Fruit of my vineyard. Good fruit is often referenced in parable allegory and metaphor throughout the scriptures. And in almost every case, uh, good fruit, the bringing forth of good fruit represents the people of God receiving the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost and thus becoming his sons and daughters, thus going from Gentile to house of Israel. Because one of the things that happens with the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost is that the Gentile blood is burned out of an individual and they become blood Israel. Well, the Lord of the vineyard commanded his servants to build a tower. When you go from the bottom level of the tower to the top, you are ascending. Building the tower represents ascension of the initial church leaders. Um, entering into the new and everlasting covenant, repenting, receiving baptism by water under the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood and offering up the sacrifice of a broken, contrite spirit, to receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then entering into the Lord's rest. As Oliver Cowdery gave the charge to the newly called 12 apostles in the Church of the Latter-day Saints in 1835, he said, you have come thus far based on other men's testimonies. Now you must part the veil, see the face of God and be ordained by Jesus Christ. This is the building of the tower. That mine olive trees may not be broken down when the enemy shall come to destroy them. Meaning that for Israel to continue to be gathered, for the church to survive as God's covenant people, um, his sons, his daughters, leadership would have to um, build the tower or offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the Lord's rest, that they might have sufficient power and revelation to keep the enemy from destroying the vineyard. Now the servants of the noblemen went and did as their Lord commanded them. And planted the olive trees and built a hedge round about and set watchmen and began to build a tower. So at this point, this has to do with the establishment of Zion under Joseph and everything was a going according to plan and commandment. And planted 12 olive trees and built a hedge round about. Well, the building a hedge round about the olive trees is. Declaring to the members of the church and to the world at large, the doctrine of Christ that all who are willing to receive it might enter into covenant with their God by baptism of water. And then the test would be, do you draw near unto me only with your lips or also with your hearts? Will you also offer up for sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit That you might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus produce fruit in the vineyard that the Lord of the vineyard might be able to lay up unto himself against the day thereof. And verse 47. And while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower? These are the servants under the direction of Joseph Smith, for the doctrine of Christ and to be a watchman on the tower requires a life of dedication. Not only part of one's life, but dedicating one's entire life to the work of the Lord in the vineyard. They weren't ready to do that, or they weren't willing to do that. And consulted for a long time, verse forty-eight, saying among themselves, "What need hath my lord of this tower? Seeing this is a time of peace." Verse forty-nine, might this money not be given to the exchangers? For there is no need of these things. So, money in the parable of redemption of Zion represents the same thing that money represents now. It is a store of work and effort and diligence. So, instead of Investing their labor, their work, and diligence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It went to the exchangers or to Babylon. And thus we see the foreshadowing. If we do not have leadership willing to build the tower, that a watchman might be set upon the top of the tower, when the enemy would come to break down the olive trees there would not be sufficient strength in the vineyard to prevent them. The hedge would not be strong enough. The hedge represents the acceptance of the doctrine of Christ by the olive trees or the membership and living it. And so if we have a watchman on the tower and we have a strong hedge, it doesn't matter how often or how strong the attack of the enemy, they cannot break through and the vineyard is preserved. Verse 50 And while they were yet at variance one with another, they became very slothful, and they hearkened not unto the commandments of their Lord. And the enemy came by night, broke down the hedge, and the servants of the noblemen arose and were frightened and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Now let's cross reference
0: in DNC 84. The revelation comprising DNC 84 was given in 1832. Verse 54
1: Your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant, even in the Book of Mormon and the former commandments which I have given them not only to say, but also to do according to that which I have written. This is what uh, produces a strong hedge. And leadership receiving the new covenant in the Book of Mormon produces the tower upon which a watchman might be placed. Membership receiving the new covenant in the Book of Mormon and living it produces a strong hedge verse 58 that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom or that they might receive the baptism of fire baptism of the holy ghost and thus become sons and daughters of jesus christ otherwise there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of zion so this is still in the initial part of the uh, parable of redemption of zion when Zion is established when the vineyard is planted, a hedge placed round about. However, the prophecy is given that if leadership and membership for verse 56 this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all do not repent and return. The temporary state of protection is going to be removed and the enemy allowed to lay waste. That they may bring forth fruit, meat for their father kingdom. Otherwise there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. Or shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. Well, by May, 1834, the, time frame had passed to repent and return without the beginning stages of scourge and judgment promised by the Lord in verse 58 of DNC 101 in 1832. Christ takes his name out of the church and the official church name of the church is renamed from the church of Christ to the church of the Latter-day Saints. If you look at the inscription at the top of the current Kirtland Temple, you will see erected in 1834 by the Church of the Latter-day Saints. If we go to the introduction of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is the page after the title page, and we go to the very last paragraph right above the testimony of the Twelve Apostles, we read at the last part of the paragraph, as the Lord continued to communicate with his servants, and a large compilation was published two years later in Kirtland, Ohio, with the title, Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of the Latter-day Saints. And if you go to the date, May 1834, in the Joseph Smith Papers, you will see the meeting at which it was decided that the Christ's name would be removed from the official name of the church because you know, Christ withdrew it from the church, because we hadn't repented and returned, heeded the warning given to us in 1832. And with that removal of Christ's name, we were demoted, just like the children of Israel, before us to the preparatory gospel we having had the same opportunity that was extended to them, namely to become sanctified by the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the opportunity then to enter into the Lord's rest. Um, as is detailed in DNC 84, verse 23. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people, that they might behold the face of God. Well, how did Moses seek to diligently sanctify his people? By teaching them the doctrine of Christ, to repent of their sins, to receive baptism of water by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood, to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is what sanctifies a man, a woman, or a people preparatory to entering into the Lord's rest. Verse 24. But they hardened their hearts, both the children of Israel and the Latter-day Saints, and could not endure his presence. Why could they not endure his presence? Because they would not do what was required to receive the baptism of fire, baptism like Ghost, and then continue to feast upon the words of Christ, as Nephi outlines in 2 Nephi 32. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Notice that this offer was not to come into the presence of Jesus Christ in the next life, but in this life or while in the wilderness as they were traveling through the Sinai Desert. It wasn't that Christ offered to come down and walk with them to the Sinai Desert, but as they traveled through the Sinai Desert, they had the opportunity to have an ascension experience like Moses And enter into the rest of the Lord, that they might go from the church of Christ, the fullness of the gospel, the terrestrial order, to the church of the firstborn, the celestial order of the gospel. Therefore, in consequence of their hardening their hearts to the fullness of the gospel and the new and everlasting covenant, he took Moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also. The holy priesthood being that which is referred to in verse 19. The greater priesthood being distinguished from the Aaronic priesthood in verse 18, or the first order of Melchizedek priesthood. Which priesthood holdeth the key of the of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. You know, which is the power to enter into the rest of the Lord in this life. And verse 26, And the lesser priesthood, or the ironic priesthood, continued, which priesthood holds of the key of the ministering of the angels and the preparatory gospel, which gospel is the gospel of repentance and of baptism and of the remission of sins, which is precisely the gospel that the Latter-day Saints were left with as of May 1834, When Christ took his name out of the church and he took the Melchizedek priesthood from the Latter-day Saints, just as he did the children of Israel. But was the Melchizedek priesthood taken from Moses at that time? No, it was not. Because he was true and faithful, was the Melchizedek priesthood taken from Joseph Smith? No, it was not. And it was also not taken from a handful of men who were true and faithful with Joseph in the holy order. But as far as the general population of the church was concerned, which included Brigham Young, um, the Melchizedek priesthood was taken just as it was taken from all of those who were not true and faithful with Moses um, in the holy order at the time that he demoted the children of Israel to the preparatory gospel. DNC 84:26. Now this corresponds to the parable of redemption of zion dnc 101 when we read in verse verses 47 48 49 and 50 and 51 and while they were yet laying the foundation thereof they began to say among themselves what need hath my lord of this tower Means they're beginning to reject the new and everlasting covenant. And here the Lord gives the warning in DNC 84 in 1832 that you better repent and return, or you will incur uh, a curse and a scourge and judgment. And while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, What need hath my Lord of this tower? What need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? Might not this money be given to the exchangers, for there is no need of these things? And at this this time in the parable, their fate is sealed. Namely, it is evident that they're not going to repent and return in the time that has been allotted for their repentance. Namely, two years from May Or from 1832 to May 1834. And verse 50. And while they were yet at variance, one with another, they became very slothful, and they hearkened not unto the commandments of the Lord. And here, verse 51. And the enemy came by night, broke down the hedge, and the servants of the nobleman arose and were affrightened and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Well, the first part of this was fulfilled in May 1834, when Christ took his name out of the church and the Melchizedek priesthood with it to the majority of the men in the church. And we were demoted to the preparatory gospel. But the second half of this was fulfilled as we see prophesied in DNC and 124. When the saints were in Nauvoo, the Lord gave them one last chance to repent and return and receive everything back that had been taken from them, including the fullness of the gospel and the Melchizedek priesthood. And in Nauvoo, the Lord says, All right, my people who have been demoted to the preparatory gospel, if you repent and return, I restore the fullness of the priesthood or the Melchizedek priesthood to you. And I will also restore the fullness of my gospel to you. And this will be evidenced by your completion of the Navu temple in the time that I have allotted for its completion. And if you do, I will fight your battles and you will not be driven out of Navu. But if not, you will be smitten and driven. And you will be demoted one step lower than the preparatory gospel to the status of rejected as a church with your debt until the end times when my servant Joseph will return to open again the heavens, finish the restoration, um, restore again the Melchizedek priesthood, but the Aaronic priesthood shall continue with you." um, in final preparation for the return of Christ in his glory. So, as we read in verse 28 in DNC 124, for there is not a place found on earth that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you or which he hath taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. Again, the fullness of the priesthood being the same as what we read in DNC 84 was taken from. children of israel in verse 25 therefore he took moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also and again this is specified in verse 19 the greater priesthood being the machasic priesthood or first order of machasic priesthood so back in dnc 124 there is not a place found verse 28 that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you or which he hath taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. For a baptismal font there is not upon the earth that they, my saints, may be baptized for those who are dead. For this ordinance belongeth to my house and cannot be acceptable to me only in the days of your poverty, wherein ye are not able to build a house unto me. But I command you, all ye, my saints, to build a house unto me. This is the Nauvoo Temple. And I grant unto you a sufficient time to build a house unto me. And during this time, your baptism shall be acceptable unto me. So we're still in this probationary period, even though we have been demoted uh, to the preparatory gospel. Still, the holy order is on the earth, the celestial order. And so there is still the capacity to for Zion to be redeemed at this time if we will repent and return. Verse 32, but behold, at the end of this appointment, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you do not these things at the end of the appointment, ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead, thus saith the Lord your God. And verse 45, and if my people will hearken unto my voice, and to the voice of my servants, whom I have appointed to lead my people, behold, verily I say unto you, they shall not be moved out of their place. So this is The very condition prophesied in DNC 101, that we would not repent in return, that we would stand rejected as a church with our dead. Um, Verse 51 in DNC 101, And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge, and the servants of the nobleman arose and were affrighted and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. And thus we find ourselves... In the state in which is prophesied by Nephi in 1 Nephi 14, that, again in verse 1, and it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles or if the Latter day Saints of the Latter days, Shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in the very deed, unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks. Well, the stumbling blocks were that we stood, we have stood rejected as a church with our dead since the days of Joseph Smith, because we did not repent and return. Therefore, we never finished the Nauvoo Temple. And Lyman White testified that he heard Joseph from the stand say, The time has now passed for you to finish the temple. The time has passed where you might be able to perform baptisms for your dead. As much to say that we now stood rejected as a church with our dead in every sense of the word. And thus the Gentiles had a great stumbling block put in front of them for The doctrine of Christ, or the full doctrine of repentance, the opportunity to be baptized by the authority of the Machesic priesthood, the opportunity that through offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, one might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then by feasting upon the words of Christ to enter into the Lord's rest, was no longer available upon the earth. Or in other words, the Lord in his wrath swore, that the Latter-day Saints should not enter into his rest until that day in which the Lamb of God would open again the heavens by the hand of his servant Joseph one last time that the fullness of the gospel might be taken among the Latter-day Saints for the last time before the separation of wheat and tares would take place just as is prophesied in dnc 88 therefore verse 84 in dnc 88 ye first labors of last kingdom i.e verse 74 labor diligently that you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the gentiles for the last time for the last time means in 1 Nephi 14, in that day when the stumbling block should be removed from the Latter-day Saints, meaning that a light would break forth among them that sit in darkness, even the fullness of my gospel. So the opportunity would again be possible. through repentance to receive baptism by water by the Melchizedek priesthood, by offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, which terms must be received by revelation, to again receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then continue to feast upon the words of Christ and enter into the Lord's rest. That you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time, as many as the mouth of the Lord shall name, or as many as the the Latter-day Saints who are the humble followers of Christ. Who are willing to take the Holy Spirit as their guide, find the truth, and not be deceived. Who are willing to enter into and keep covenant with their God. That he might be their God and they might be his people. They are those whom uh, the mouth of the Lord names. To bind up the law and seal up the testimony. Well, the law is bound up and the testimony is sealed up when God's people are sanctified in preparation to enter into his rest and thus become his sons and daughters and even to become his sons and daughter, uh, birthright sons and daughters, qualifying to receive him in New Jerusalem and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment, which is to come. Well, the hour of judgment begins at the time of great tribulation where the people of the whole earth, including God's people, are taken into physical bondage, having already been in spiritual bondage for over 170 years, with the fullness of the gospel being taken back up into heaven, that their souls may escape the wrath of God, the desolation of abomination, which was prophesied of by Jesus Christ in Matthew 24. The end-time abomination of desolation, which, as we read in D&C 112, would begin in the Lord's own house. First among those who would profess to know my name, but would blaspheme against me in the midst of my house. And from the Latter-day Saints, the abomination of desolation would spread to cover the face of the whole earth and destroy all those who will not qualify to enter into millennial rest.
0: So, going back to first Nephi 14. And it shall come to pass,
1: verse 1, that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, in that day when the end-time servant opens again the heavens, that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks, i.e., therefore, it's possible to receive full baptism and to enter into the Lord's rest and to participate in the gathering of Israel. And verse 2, and harden not their hearts, or in other words, offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. They shall be numbered among the seed of Thy father, they shall be numbered among the house of Israel. They shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever. And they shall be no more brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. And that great pit which hath been digged for them, them being the Latter day Saints. Well, who digged this great pit for the Latter day Saints? By that great and abominable church which was founded by the devil and his children. That he might lead away the souls of men down to hell. Yea, that great pit which hath been digged for the destruction of men, of which the C-19 shot is a part of this pit which hath been digged. But it's just part of it. Shall be filled by those who digged it. Unto their destruction, saith the Lamb of God, not the destruction of the soul, save it be the casting of it into that hell which hath no end. And again, speaking of this same event, the same time period, Nephi again prophesies, verse twenty-one of Second Nephi twenty-eight. And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And verse 26, And woe unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or in other words, woe unto him that denieth... That the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost um, has not been available, but becomes available in that day when the light breaks forth among them that sit in darkness. And woe unto them who deny the gift of the Holy Ghost in those who speak by that power and claim that those who do not speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost do. And verse 32, woe be unto the Gentiles, the Latter-day Saints, in that last generation in which Christ shall visit the earth. saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. Isaiah imagery for the end-time servant returning. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. So even though we rejected the fullness of the gospel, and God in his wrath swore that we should not enter into his rest, and that we should be demoted to the order of the gospel, which is rejected as a people with our dead by our God, yet he didn't cast us off forever. He still extends his arm to us or he sent Joseph both in a first and he will be coming back in yet a second ministry. And we have the opportunity to repent and return that he may become our God, that we might become his people, that we might be delivered out on the eve of destruction and establish Zion in preparation for the establishment of New Jerusalem. So again, if we go back to Revelation chapter 13, verse 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. So this is exactly what we have been reading in 1 Nephi 14, verse 1. This is exactly what we read in D&C 45. And again, D&C 45. The temple of God was opened in heaven. Verse 28, And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, that's when the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. What is the ark of his testament? Well, it's the new and everlasting covenant. It's the opportunity to become the sons and daughters of Christ. It's the opportunity to enter into the Lord's rest. That's how the ark of the covenant was seen. And who opened the heavens and who foresaw the ark of this covenant? Well, it's Joseph in his return. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. Now, again, regarding those who sit in darkness, DNC 85, verse 7 and a light breaking forth, and it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bow shall be a fountain of truth, to set in order the house of God, and to arrange by lot the
0: inheritances of his saints. This is when the light breaks forth among
1: them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. But verse 29 in d 45, But they, the Latter-day Saints in general, receive it not, for they perceive not the light. Or in other words, they choose to remain harlots and foolish virgins, refusing to take the Holy Spirit as their guide, therefore
0: finding the truth and not being deceived. But they receive it not. they perceive not the light.
1: And how is it they perceive not the light? Because they fail to hearken unto that portion of the light of Christ that has been granted to them. That they might discern those who speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost versus those who do not. Even though they are given red flag after red flag after red flag. If, it, if the Lord expected us to lay our hats upon just red one red flag, that would be quite precarious and would require a high level of discernment. But the Lord in his mercy has literally given us hundreds of red flags that we might be certain about what has actually happened. Verse 30, And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Meaning, in that generation, the generation in which the time of the gentiles comes in joseph smith opens the heavens and the fullness of the gospel is again available in that same generation it is fulfilled meaning that the sh- separation among the latter-day saints of wheat and tares is accomplished dnc 101 verse 64 that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue continue When the day of the Gentiles comes in, may continue when the light breaks forth among them that sit in darkness. That I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. Upon holy places, well, that starts with creating Zion within the individual. Zion is created within the individual by first repenting. And what does that mean? Well, of course, it includes the classic definition of repentance that when we have done something wrong and our conscience is um, instructed by the light of Christ, that we've done something wrong that we need to make amends and repent. That's where it starts, but that's not where it finishes. We must also, once we have done those obvious things, inquire of the Lord, what do I yet have need to repent of? And then Receive the list, and then inquire of the Lord, what would you have me do to repent of these things? And then follow the instruction. That is the repentance that is required of us. Then we must offer up the sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit, meaning willing, being willing to place everything upon the altar sacrifice anything that might be required of us and god will test us to see if we draw near to him only with our lips or also with our hearts and then we must receive the baptism of fire baptism of the holy ghost and then
0: we must continue to feast upon the words of christ and enter into the rest of the lord in this life So that is how
1: we qualify as the strength of the Lord's house for the end-time separation of wheat and tares. That the work, verse 64, of the gathering together of my saints may continue. Why does it have to continue? Because it was cut short during Joseph Smith's first ministry. That I may build them up unto my name upon holy places, for the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life, and be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in
0: bundles, their bands made strong that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. And this all commences with the light breaking forth among them that
1: sit in darkness, which is verse 55 in DNC 101. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Go and gather together the residue of my servants. For as we read in DNC 88, the first laborers in the last kingdom who qualify to return are those who are the residue of the servants. And take all the strength of mine house, or all those who are willing to enter into and keep the new and everlasting covenant, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle aged also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry, i.e., translated beings, John the Revelator has charge over them. And go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard, redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Therefore, get ye straightway into the land my land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower and scatter their watchmen. That, verse 64, the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. Okay, so going back to Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. That is the commencement of the day of the Gentiles coming in. And there was seen in his temple, the Ark of his Testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake earthquake and great hail. Okay, these are the things that are to come as the people of the whole earth go into physical bondage. And the destructions that are going to be ushered in upon the Lord's house and upon the people of the whole earth.
0: Four in DNC 29. But behold, I say unto you in verse 14
1: that before that great day shall come, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall be turned into blood, the stars shall fall from heaven, and there shall be greater signs in heaven above and in the earth beneath. And there shall be weeping and wailing among the hosts of men, and there shall be a great hailstorm. Sent forth to destroy the crops of the earth. Okay, verse 19 in Revelation chapter 11. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquakes and great hail. Okay, DNC 29, verse 16. And there shall be, great, be a great hailstorm sent forth to destroy the crops of the earth. And there shall be weeping and wailing among the hosts of men, verse 15. Verse 19. In Revelation 11, lightnings and voices and thunderings. And again, there shall be signs in heaven above and the earth beneath, and there shall be weeping and wailing among the hosts of men. Or there shall be voices and lightnings and thunderings and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. And, verse, and D&C 29, verse 16, And there shall be a great hailstorm sent forth to destroy the crops of the earth. And it shall come to pass that because of the wickedness of the world, that I will take vengeance upon the wicked, and they will, n- for they will not repent. For the cup of my indignation is full, and behold, my blood shall not cleanse them. If they hear me not, wherefore I, the Lord God, will send flies upon the face of the earth, And they shall take hold of the inhabitants thereof, and shall eat their flesh, and shall cause maggots to consume, to come in upon them. And their tongues shall be distayed, and they shall not utter against me. And their flesh shall fall from off their bones, and their eyes from their sockets. And it shall come to pass that the beasts of the forest and the fowls of the air shall devour them
0: Revelation 11, 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven.
1: And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Revelation chapter 12. And there appeared a great sign in heaven. In the likeness of things on the earth, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars and the woman being with child travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and his throne. And there appeared another sign in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and it cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was delivered, ready to devour the child after it was born. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed here. Her there, a thousand two hundred and threescore years.
0: Now let's unpack these verses. A great sign in heaven,
1: in the likeness of things on the earth. Now, regarding signs in heavens, sometime signs in heavens herald the future coming of events on the earth. And sometimes signs in the heavens accompany the event which it is heralding. So we know from verse 1 that a great sign is to appear in the heavens of some event to transpire on the earth. The question is, well, when is this sign to be given, and what is the event which it heralds? Well, September 23rd, 2017, the autumnal equinox of 2017,
0: we had the constellation Virgo, or a woman clothed with the sun. Now, On that day,
1: the sun was in the constellation Virgo, or she
0: was clothed clothed with the sun. The moon under her feet.
1: On that day, the moon was also at the foot of the constellation Virgo. A crown of 12 stars on her head. The royal constellation Leo um, proceeded on the uh, ecliptic, the ascent of Virgo. Now, the royal constellation Leo has nine stars in its constellation. However, on that day, it had an additional three stars Mercury, Venus, and Mars. So, a total of 12 stars, creating the royal
0: crown that was placed upon the head of Virgo. Travailing in birth, well, Jupiter had been retrograde in Virgo's
1: womb, retrograde for nine months. And on that day, Jupiter was birthed or delivered from
0: Virgo. Or being with child, travailing in birth,
1: pained to be delivered. And she brought forth a man-child, represented by the birthing of the
0: planet Jupiter. So, what do these signs mean? First, a woman, the
1: constellation Virgo, is the woman Zion, the bride of the bridegroom, the bride of Christ. She has already been established, or the light has already broken forth among those who sat in darkness, and it was the fullness of the gospel. Meaning that the heavens previous to this sign being given had already been
0: opened by the end-time servant. Clothed with the sun, the sun
1: representing priesthood power And the fullness of the gospel. So. The woman was established when the light broke forth among those who sat in darkness, being clothed with the sun, but there were two portions to this. The first portion was the restoration of the fullness of the gospel. And the second portion was that additional light that would take place when the end time servant was sealed unto the holy order or the second order of Melchizedek priesthood. This is also a clothing or the completion of clothing of priesthood power. You know, as we read in Isaiah, O daughter of Zion, you know, put on thy beautiful garments. Um, so this sign is the completion of. Of the clothing of the end time servant who is part of the restoration of the fullness of the gospel with
0: both the first and second orders of Melchizedek priesthood. The crown of 12 stars is a coronation ceremony.
1: A coronation ceremony, both of Christ, who at the meeting at Adam on Diamond, and that is a key to what event on the earth this sign in the heavens heralds. When all of the dispensational keys from all of the dispensational heads are returned back to Father, and Father then gives all the keys that ever did and will pertain to this earth, to Jesus Christ. Christ then gives keys to those who will need them for the missions that they have to fulfill, meaning John the Revelator and Joseph Smith. And this coronation ceremony is not also of the bridegroom, Um. In which he receives all the keys that pertain to this earth from father, but also to his end time servant, who is crowned a king and a priest unto the most high God, having the second order of the Melchizedek priesthood in the holy order sealed upon him, thus receiving the power to command the elements, thus being endowed with that power, ready to, as Moses was sent forth before Pharaoh, To set God's people free, and it was required of him that he be able to command the elements at that time, so when the end-time servant is sent forth to set God's people free from physical bondage, um, he will also need power to command the elements that
0: this might be accomplished. Now, what about this travailing in birth?
1: Well, the reason the woman had to travail in birth for nine months is that the fullness of the gospel had been taken from the earth after it was established. And thus the woman had to go into the throes
0: of agony and birth pangs for about 170 years. However, the gospel would again be restored to the earth. The woman would return and she would birth a son. A man-child would be brought forth.
1: Jupiter came forth after it had been retrograde in the womb of Virgo for nine months or the kingdom of
0: God and his Christ were birthed. Christ is given the keys
1: of this earth and he empowers his end-time servant to come on the scene or to go before Pharaoh to deliver his end-time people. Now, now, Let's cross-reference um, First Nephi 8, in regards to verse 5 of Revelation chapter 12. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now, what does that mean that he was to rule all the nations of the earth with a rod of iron?
0: Let's start our discovery In 1st Nephi chapter 8. Starting in verse 19. And I beheld a rod of iron, and it extended along
1: the bank of the river, and led to the tree by by which I stood. And I also beheld a straight and narrow path, which came along by the rod of iron even to the tree by which I stood and it also led by the head of the fountain in unto a large and spacious field as if it had been a world and I saw numberless concourses of people many of whom were pressing forward that they might obtain the path which led unto the tree by which I stood and it came to pass that they did come forth and commence in the path which led to the tree and it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, that they wandered off and were lost. And it came to pass that I beheld others pressing forward, and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron. And they did press forward through the midst of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they did go come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. So at this point, what is the rod of iron? Who is the tree and what is this fruit? And what is this path? Well, the path
0: is a dispensation of the fullness of the gospel being opened. The rod of iron being both those things which our Lord and Redeemer did,
1: and those things which we are commanded to do, to come to the tree who is Christ, partake of the fruit, which is the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that we may continue on the path that is brought up. In 2 Nephi 31. So 1 Nephi 8 is the path that leads to the gate. 1 Nephi 8 is the path that leads to the gate. 2 Nephi 31 is the path that extends after
0: the gate. And it came to pass that I beheld, verse 24, others pressing forward,
1: and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the rod. They found the fullness of the gospel. They sought after, received, and acted on revelation. They repented as the Lord instructs repentance. They received baptism of water. They entered into the gate. Offered up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, and thus were permitted to reach the tree and partake of the fruit or receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost.
0: However, these did not endure to the end. Verse 25 And after they had
1: partaken of the fruit of the tree, they did cast their eyes about as if they were ashamed. And I also cast my rise, eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water, a great and spacious building. And it stood as if it were in the air high above the earth. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female, and their manner of dress was exceedingly fine. And they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers toward those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. And after they had tasted of the fruit, or after they had received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them, and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. So, they stopped doing the very things that had allowed them to come to the tree and partake of the fruit. They did not endure to the end, and thus wandered down forbidden paths and were lost. Verse 30, but to be short in writing, behold, he saw other multitudes pressing forward and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron. And they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. And he saw other multitudes feeling their way toward that great and spacious building. And it came to pass that many were drowned in the depths of the fountain and many were lost from his view, wandering in strange roads. And great was the multitude that did enter into that strange building. And after they did enter into that building, they did point the finger of scorn to me. And those that were partaking of the fruit also, but we heeded them not. Or in other words, we endured to the end. Meaning that after we entered in by the way and received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, we did commence
0: that path.
1: That led into the rest
0: of the Lord and beyond. Second Nephi 31. starting in verse 17. Wherefore, do the things which
1: I have told you that I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. So, um, this is the first part. Do those things which I saw that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. Well, what things are those? Well, Nephi had seen in vision Christ's mortal ministry on the earth. And as we read in verses 2 through verse 12 in 2 Nephi 31, Christ was baptized by water by one having proper authority, John the Baptist. Then the Holy Ghost came down upon Christ in the form of a dove, meaning the man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost came down from heaven and performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost for Jesus Christ, just as it was required of Christ to receive the ordinance of baptism of water by one who had proper authority. The second half of that baptismal ordinance also requires proper priesthood authority, as we read in D&C 76, verse 52. That by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins, and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. Well, who would have been more appropriate to perform this ordinance, who had been ordained and sealed to the first order of Melchizedek Priesthood, than the man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost? Second Nephi 31, verse 8, Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. Which is metaphorical for the man who officiated in the office of Holy Ghost came down from heaven, laid his hands upon the head of Jesus Christ, performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So these are the things which Christ did, which we are also commanded to receive. And even Father commands us to do these things. Verse 11. And the Father said, repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, he that is baptized in my name, he that enters into the gate, to him the Father will give the Holy Ghost like unto me. Wherefore, follow me and do the things which ye have seen me do. Well, many are going to say, but... I did receive baptism by water. I was baptized when I was eight years old into the LDS church, or I was a convert and was baptized afterward. Well, there are two different orders of baptism outlined in the Book of Mormon. The first is by the Aaronic priesthood. The second is by the Melchizedek priesthood. The first, which is what we receive when we're baptized by the Aaronic priesthood, Into the LDS church is the same as what we read about in 3rd Nephi, chapter 1. 3rd Nephi, chapter 1, verse 23 And it came to pass that Nephi went forth among the people and also many others, baptizing unto repentance, in the which there was a great remission of sins. And thus the people began again to have peace in the land. This is almost 35 years before Christ is going to come and visit the Nephites. And then if we fast forward 30 or 33 years to Third Nephi chapter 7, we read in verse 23, and thus passed away the 30 and second year also. So I guess 32 years passed away. And Nephi did cry unto the people in the commencement of the 30 and second year. And he did preach unto them repentance and remission of sins. Now I would have you to remember also that there were none who were brought unto repentance, save those who were not baptized with water. So for 32 years, Nephi has been crying repentance and baptizing with water. And now we read that not only is he crying repentance and baptizing with water, but also that he ordains other men to cry repentance and baptize with water. But notice that it is specified with water only. Because by 3rd Nephi chapter 1, the Melchizedek priesthood had been taken from the Nephites, just like it had the children of Israel. And thus the Nephites by 3rd Nephi 1 had been demoted also, just like the children of Israel and just like the Latter-day Saints, to the preparatory gospel and thus only had the Aaronic priesthood. And thus they could only baptize with water. For to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost requires the Melchizedek priesthood in the fullness of the gospel. So even Nephi, who's been crying repentance has been baptizing for 32 years, hasn't yet received the baptism of fire, baptism, Holy Ghost. Well, verse 25 Therefore, there were ordained of Nephi men unto this ministry that all such should come as should come unto them should be baptized with water. And this is a witness and a testimony before God and unto the people that they had repented and received a remission of their sins. So as we go to Third Nephi chapter 11, verse 18, And it came to pass that he spake, Christ spake unto Nephi, for Nephi was among the multitude, and he commanded him that he should come forth. And Nephi arose and went forth and bowed himself before the Lord and to kiss his feet. And the Lord commanded him that he should arise, and he arose and stood before him. And the Lord said unto him, I give unto you power that ye shall baptize the people when I am again ascended into heaven. So why did Jesus Christ need to give Nephi power and authority to baptize the people when he's again ascended into heaven, when he clearly already had power to baptize the people with water? And he's about to set forth the baptismal water prayer? It's because Nephi had been baptizing by the Aaronic priesthood into the preparatory gospel. Now that Christ comes, he restores the fullness of the gospel and with it the Melchizedek priesthood. And thus the people must be rebaptized by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood into the fullness of the gospel. In fact, Nephi and the 12 disciples have to be baptized by the Melchizedek priesthood into the fullness of the gospel. This is what happens in 3 Nephi 19, verse 11. And it came to pass that Nephi went down into the water and was baptized. And he came forth out of the water and began to baptize. And he baptized all those whom Jesus had chosen. But what was different about this baptism of water, as opposed to the previous baptism of water that he and the 12 disciples had received and had been baptizing with, in addition to it being by the power of the Melchizedek priesthood, well, this time, Verse 13, and it came to pass that they were all baptized and had come up out of the water and the Holy Ghost had fallen upon them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Or in other words, for them, then the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost was performed. And for Nephi, it was probably his father Nephi, We find out at the end of Helaman and in Third Nephi 1 was translated. It was probably Nephi's father, Nephi, who came and performed the ordinance for his son, Nephi. And then Nephi would have performed the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost for the rest of the 12. For on the preceding evening, they had the first order of Melchizedek Priesthood sealed upon them and thus had power to perform this ordinance. In Third Nephi 18, verse 36. Again, this is the preceding evening to the morning on which they were baptized. And it came to pass that when Jesus had made an end of these sayings, that he touched with his hand the disciples whom he had chosen, one by one, even until he had touched them all, and he spake unto them as he touched them. And the multitude heard not the words which he spake. Therefore, they did not bear record, but the disciples bear record that he gave them power to give the Holy Ghost. And I will show unto you hereafter that this record is true. And it came to pass that when Jesus had touched them all, there came a cloud and overshadowed the multitude that they could not see Jesus. Okay, so
0: going back to 2 Nephi 31, verse 17. Do the things which I have told you that I have seen that your Lord
1: and your Redeemer should do. And we, we read about those in verses two through 12. It was baptism by water, by the appropriate authority, Melchizedek priesthood, and also the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy ghost. And now we get an instruction set about how to do that. For, for this cause, have they been shown unto me that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter? For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance. And we talked about what repentance is. And baptism by water, again, by the Melchizedek priesthood into the fullness of the gospel. And then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. Or what is required to enter in by the way or the gate is repentance and baptism by water by the Melchizedek priesthood. And then we have reached the tree. Then we have come unto Christ, and he is now ready to plead our case before Father that he might receive permission from Father to adopt us as sons or daughters. And when he received permission, then is the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, authorized to be performed. And then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. This is partaking of the fruit. And then are we on that path, which leads us from the first endowment of power or the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost to enter into the
0: Lord's rest. That is the gate we enter When we receive the full
1: baptism covenant. And then, verse 18, are ye in the straight and narrow path, which leads to eternal life. So, if we can visually picture it, we have a path with a rod of iron leading to a gate. To pass through that gate, we have to repent and receive baptism of water. Once we pass through that gate, we find the tree, who is Christ, And we partake of the fruit of the tree, which is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which, once we do, we are then permitted to start traveling the second part of the path that leads to entering into the rest of the Lord. And then are ye in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son and have received the Holy Ghost which witnesses of the Father and the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive it.
0: Okay, or in other words, the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made.
1: Well, this promise which he hath made is the covenant. It's the new and everlasting covenant. That if we fulfill our part of the new and everlasting covenant, he will fulfill his. His promise is his part of the new and everlasting covenant. A covenant with God is comprised of two oaths or two promises. There's a, an oath or a promise that man makes to God and an oath or a promise that God makes back to man. Well, what is the oath or promise that man makes to God in the new and everlasting covenant? Well, to do what Jesus Christ did, to repent. Christ didn't repent, but we have to repent. That we might be baptized as he was baptized, by proper authority. That we might offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit as he did to
0: his father. That we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, like he did. And we do that
1: by repenting. By offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit and receiving baptism of water, that is our part of the promise. And when we fulfill our part of the promise, he then fulfills his part of the promise to us, which completes the covenant. Baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost. So continue in verse 18. And ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son, unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way, or if ye hold up your end of the oath and promise, he will hold up his end. Ye should receive. And now, my beloved brethren, after ye have gotten into the straight and narrow path, well, this straight and narrow path isn't the same straight and narrow path that we read about in First Nephi chapter 8 that leads to the gate, which the tree is on the other side of that gate to partake of the fruit. This is the second part of the path that leads from the tree to becoming a birthright son or daughter, which occurs when we enter
0: into the rest of the Lord. I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay.
1: So after you receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is just a new beginning. You're not finished. For if you think you're finished, then you become like one of those in 1 Nephi 8 who partook of the fruit and then wandered off into strange paths and were lost. Only if we continue to endure to the end or do precisely those things which enabled us to come to the gate, pass through it, and partake of the fruit of the tree, will we not fall off into strange paths and be lost. For ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, Or in other words, we must continue feasting upon the word of Jesus Christ. Which are the commandments
0: of the Father and the Son. You know, in verse 18. Which witnesses of
1: the Father and the Son unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made that if ye entered in by the way, you should receive. With unshaken faith in Christ, again, faith in Christ is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. That is what gets us to the gate, to get to the tree, to partake of the fruit. Unshaken faith in Christ is doing whatsoever the Spirit commands us to do, to come unto a broken, contrite spirit, and then doing it. Relying wholly upon him who is mighty to save. That is hope. That is the belief and the trust in Christ and in Father that allows us to make it through the trials which come as part of offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, wherefore ye must needs press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and for all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward feasting upon the word of Christ and enduring to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way. And there is none other way nor name given under heaven, whereby man can be saved. In the kingdom of God, and now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen.
0: So, Revelation chapter 12,
1: verse 1 And there appeared a great sign in heaven in the likeness of things on the earth. A woman,
0: the constellation Virgo, is the sign in the heaven, representing the fullness of the gospel. The bride of Christ,
1: the woman Zion, having been re-established by the end-time servant upon the earth, when the day of the Gentiles was
0: ushered in. Clothed with the sun, the fullness of the gospel,
1: a light having broken forth among those that sit in darkness, and the moon under her feet. Now the moon represents the preparatory gospel, or the light that we had available to us since the death of Joseph Smith is being compared to the light of the moon. The moon is under her feet because now being clothed with the sun, it subsumes the preparatory gospel And it now replaces the preparatory gospel. Or, as we read in D&C
0: 85, By the Lord God will send one mighty and strong, holding a
1: scepter of power in his hand clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowels shall be a fountain of truth, to set in order the house of God, and to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints. So the moon under her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head, represented by the royal constellation Leo, normally has nine stars, but that day, um, autumnal Equinox 2017, had Mercury, Venus, and Mars also in the boundary of its constellation, thus 12 stars. The coronation ceremony of Christ and his end time servant of Christ, because his kingdom is being reestablished. All the keys that ever did and will pertain to this earth were given to Christ, and then a coronation ceremony for his end time servant. Who has the second order of his priesthood sealed upon him, becoming a king and a priest, thus being able to command the elements, being prepared to come on the scene and deliver God's people out of bondage and lead them on an end time exodus, just as Moses did with the children of Israel out of Egypt, and also the crown of twelve stars representing the commencement of the gathering again of the 12 tribes of Israel, which will commence when the end-time servant comes on the scene and commences the end-time exodus. And also that the Gentiles who receive the fullness of the gospel and the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, will have the Gentile blood burned out of them and become blood Israel. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars, and the woman being with child, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered, brought forth a man-child. So, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. Fullness of the gospel had been taken, therefore God's people sat in darkness. um, And the coming physical bondage. However, as the man-child is brought forth, the kingdom of God and his Christ um, are brought forth, all the keys are given to Christ, and the end-time servant is also endowed with the keys that he needs to redeem Zion and gather Israel, who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, okay? Okay. Again, the rod of iron is repentance, baptism of water by proper authority. The new and everlasting covenant, which is to be received by revelation of a broken heart contract spirit. Um, this is the rod of iron that brings
0: one to the tree to partake of the fruit and then to continue on the path.
1: Doing those things which Nephi witnessed our Lord and Redeemer doing. Namely, holding to the rod, entering in by the gate, coming to the tree, partaking the fruit, and enduring to the end. You know, the word of Christ, the commandments of Father and the Son. Going forth with unshaken faith in Christ, relying wholly upon him whom is mighty to save, feasting upon the words of Christ.
0: And her child was caught up unto God and his throne. Let's cross reference DNC 76. Or one who is coronated, a king and a priest.
1: Verse 56, They are they who are priests and kings, received of his fullness and of his glory, and are priests of the Most High after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten Son. Wherefore, as it is written, they are gods, even the sons of God. Verse 66, and these are they who come unto Mount Zion and come unto the city of the living God, the heavenly place, the holiest of all. These are they who have come to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly
0: and church of Enoch and of the firstborn. So, the man-child who
1: is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her
0: child was caught up unto God and his throne. Again, now it is possible to
1: be lifted up into the presence of Jesus Christ in his glory. Have our calling and election made sure. And the first one to do this in this generation was the end-time servant, opening the heavens, making the way possible under the direction of Jesus Christ, for the rest of the Gentiles to do likewise, and ultimately all the house of Israel. And so we will conclude in Revelation 12 there, and we will uh, finish Revelation chapter 12 uh, next Monday. So now I would open it up to questions and comments.